heard across the Resonate Regional Radio Network. It's my time, it's my life. I hope you will come along. This is Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland today, Wednesday morning the 3rd of August. A very good morning to everybody listening to us across the Resonate Broadcast Network. An interest rate rise, not good. We will discuss that this morning. We'll talk with Greg Pankhurst about the live export market in Queensland, Deb Frecklington about the Cross River Rail blowout and what producers are getting their flood grants declined by the Labor government. We'll also look at some of the protocols some people are taking in the scenic rim to prevent the outbreak of any any biosecurity risk, and we'll also talk about Rome yesterday. Big show, rural Queensland today. A very good morning to everybody listening to us through 4VL, 4HI, 4LM, 4LG, uh, 4GC, Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network, 4SB and Kingaroy, good morning as well. Uh, I hope you're all well. We're going to get into it right now. Here's going with Deb Frecklington. She joins us first up, rural Queensland today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Uh, Deb Frecklington, Member for Nanango, Shadow Minister for Water and Construction of Dam, Shadow Minister for Regional Development and Manufacturing joins us this morning. Deb, good morning. A very, very happy Wednesday to you. Yeah, good morning, Dobbo. Yes, it's a beautiful sunny day. Um, You've got some uh, flood grants. Now, we've talked about this. Um, The question that Labor government has to ask is, why so many flood grant applications by primary producers and small businesses are being declined? It doesn't surprise me, but I, I would not understand why they would be doing this. This is, they say they're going to donate money, they say they're going to look after, but when it comes to the crunch, they never deliver. Yeah, look, Dobbo, what this is all about is, um, and your listeners and many of your listeners are still living it, but um, the horrific flood events that happened, um, you know, across Queensland, but particularly in and around that Gympie, South Burnett, North Burnett region earlier this year, where we actually have had around three different flood events, you know, and catastrophic events um, where we've seen loss of livestock and unfortunately, um, devastatingly loss of life. Um in one of those events. Now, so the, the government comes out, so this is the Palaszczuk government, they come out with a great big shiny announcement and say that they're coming in to help. But unfortunately, um, you know, the proof is in the pudding. What we've discovered is, and through people contacting my office, is just that whilst people have applied for these grants, um, for all the right reasons, um, they've been told the money's there, they've been told to put their application in, they've been told to do all the paperwork, um, and unfortunately, uh, the government hasn't come through with those grants and with no real explanation. So what we're doing is that's why, hence, I've asked that question on notice and I've been trying to get that information out from the minister. But as you can see, I haven't, um, unfortunately, been able to get a satisfactory answer in relation to why these grants aren't flowing, and they should be. So why why would they be declining them? What what's their reasoning? And, and well, what are the people who have had their grants declined? What was their reason being told that, that it hadn't been accepted? Well, the main reason um, is is simply there's just um, you've been declined. I mean, there's not a satisfactory reason at all. Um, one one constituent from they were closer in the Somerset region, which certainly had the flood damage and they could prove it with photos and everything. I mean, they've sent they've sent their application and they've done all the paper, all the paperwork, I should say, and I've just had a, sorry, you've been declined. Um, and hence why we're asking these questions. I mean, what? why are they being declined? On what reason? Uh, I know that some a couple of years ago, um, when we were looking at some water grants, they were saying that the paperwork was getting in too late. I mean, this is certainly not the reason now. 
Um, and, you know, most most landholders will tell you that the paperwork is onerous enough, but they're doing everything they can to get it in. Um, if there's, you know, money to help them fit, fix up fencing, replace, um, you know, replace, um, you know, those fences and things such as that, um, and particularly replacing of stock in, in the cases around that um, Tansy Boobagen area. I mean, you know, it, it's, as we know, stock prices are, are high coming off a bit, but I mean, certainly high at the moment and people are looking to replace those you know, stock, they need the cash to come in. Yeah, they certainly do. Oh, here we go. The Cross City Rail. Um, surprise, surprise, it's blown out 48% to a staggering $8 billion and the minister in charge blamed construction delays um, as one of the reasons. Like, I, I, I cannot tell you every single thing that this government does is never on budget, is never on time, and this is why we are slowly sinking into more and more debt in this state. This is why our health department is a schmozzle. This is why our roads have never been as bad. Yet the Cross City Rail that helps only the people in the metropolitan area is blowing out 48%, $8 billion. <laughs> Dobbo, it, look, this is incredible and it takes me back to when I was Shadow Infrastructure Minister across from Jackie Trad during that estimate. I mean, and this is what maybe four years ago now, if not five years ago, when I was questioning the then Minister Jackie Trad about this Cross River Rail project and the fact that based on the government's own assumptions, there was no way that that project could be delivered on time and on budget or that would come in anywhere near um, the budget they were talking about, given the fact that they were based on flawed assumptions. You know, through the government's own business case, it showed that they had fudged the passenger numbers, for example. They had to make up passengers to make the project even work, and that came out through that estimates process. We then talked about, and this was years ago, we talked about the fact that this project would blow out um, you know, that there was, they were budgeting for stations that hadn't even commenced to be being built at the moment. And that was that Albert Street station, of course. Uh, and like I say, the passenger numbers, uh, there's just no way that this project under a Labor government was ever going to be delivered on time and on budget. But what disappoints me the most is that we highlighted that with the Palaszczuk government all those years ago. We've been saying it each and every breath we can take about that project. And when I'm, you know, at the moment, I'm presently just a bit north of Cairns where I'm looking at more water projects, for example, in the Lakeland District, which is beautiful. It's honestly like King Roy in the far north. It is amazing with these rich red soils. All that, all that region needs is a bit of water and it can just, you know, continue to grow and expand. They would, you know, they, they only need like a, a tenth of that, that budget blowout. And that's what the regions are missing out on. If only the government um, was more conservative in their spending, they would actually be able to spend some money where it is needed, like in the, you know, the backlog road maintenance across regional Queensland. We know that's billions of dollars um, outstanding. Those are the sort of projects that I would like to see the government concentrate on. Yeah, and that's the big one. Um, that that's the one that we all. Are you going to manage to be able to get to the ECA at all um, this weekend? Yeah. Very looking forward to it. Yes, um, I'll definitely be at the ECA, and um, you know, there's a there's a crowd of really good people who put on the ECA, and people are coming from all across um, the state to get there. But you know, I, I feel for them. They've they've had to cancel the last couple, so I am very keen to support um, support the ECA, and like I do each and every year. Um, 
I met my husband at the Cattleman's Bar, Dubbo, oh, so it is important that we um, – I think many people met Bodes well. At the oh, there's a lot of relationships <laughs> started and finished at the, at the Cattleman's Bar. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so it'll at, be good fun. Lots to get through as well. Uh, you've got a bit, very busy time. I just want to quickly touch on um, this COVID wave again. Uh, are we seeing the full transparency? I mean, it's something we've got to live with. But yet there is a scaremongering coming out continually from the government. The, the failure is our health system. That's where we're, we're under the knees at the moment. Is there lessons to be learnt from this? Well, look, I think there are definite lessons. There's always lessons that can be learnt. And um, governments of any persuasion can always do things better um, in relation to um, this, you know, we, you know, the next wave, if, if that's what they're calling it. I mean, we do need to make sure that people are, doing everything right, you know, staying home if they're sick and washing their hands and and wearing a mask if they feel uncomfortable <clears throat> or feel as though they um, need to. Uh, but, but the point of it is, you know, Queensland needs to get on and get living as well. You know, we need to make sure that people are out and about. Like I say, up here in Cairns, there are so many people out and about and, and you know, we need it. Our local economies are desperate. Um, for people to get back out and about. Um, we're relying so heavily on domestic tourism at the moment. Um, it is important that the state keeps going. I mean, we've got to get people back to work. We've got to get people um, to, you know, change the perception um, that if, if their job is meant to be at a workplace, they really should be back at the workplace. I know a lot of people like working from home, and in some cases that's all they can do and, and good on them, but it is really important that we um, get people back to work. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much for being with us this morning. No worries, Delvo. Good talking to you. Good on you, Deb Frecklington. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland Today. Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin, Wednesday morning, the 3rd of August. Queensland Livestock Exporters Association Chairman Greg Pankhurst joins us this morning. Australia's live cattle export trade has come to a grinding halt as Indonesian feedlots cancel orders en masse to avoid paying big dollars for animals likely to contract foot and mouth disease. Now, these are some of the flow-on effects that's going on for that debacle in Indonesia. Greg, good morning. Thank you so morning, much for ben. being with us. Yeah, this is a worry, isn't it? Oh, great concern, Ben. So, obviously, Indonesia is one of our major markets. Um, up to a million cattle per year in the past. Uh, last year, about 500,000, and we were predicting about 400,000 this year due to the, the higher costs of cattle out of Australia. But as you said, it has ground to a halt, and that's because our importers in Indonesia are petrified that an animal that they import will can uh, track foot and mouth disease because at the moment they haven't got the vaccines to vaccinate on arrival. So, yeah, it's a, it is a dilemma, um, uh, but we are slowly seeing some vaccines roll out, but I'm still thinking probably four to six weeks before we'll see too much on the ground in Indonesia. So the vaccination's obviously rolling out. We've spoken to Murray Watt, the Agricultural Minister. We've spoken to um, biosecurity um, uh, around the biosecurity issues and, and to some of the Chief Veterinary Officer. All of them say the same thing. Eventually th- this will be turned, but it could take six months. It could take longer. At, at what point does the government step in and see that one of the major factors and, and major income earners in live export, if it's ground to a halt with a major market, they need to come to some assistance because – this is then going to absolutely decimate some some summer landholders and graziers um, who obviously rely on this market very heavily. Yeah, very true, Ben. But unfortunately, it's not much the Australian government can do in regard to 
uh, vaccines in no, Indonesia. No, That's I understand Indonesian that, but they can compensate, can't they? They can look after you guys. They can understand and identify that one of their markets has been completely wiped out. Now, if foot and mouth came over to you, to Australia, we know automatically it's a shutdown. We, we, we understand that completely. Why haven't the government come and, and come to your aid at the moment with some assistance? Uh, good question. I, I, I can't answer that. Um, live export is always a difficult business. It's an ebb and flow business. We've had a very quiet two years um, because of prices going out of Australia. Um, we reflect back on 2011 when, uh, when the trade was actually halted for about three months. Uh, and I suppose when we, we talk about that, uh, there's a class action and a, uh, and a court case that, that found in favour of the industry. And as of today, uh, some 11 years down the track, we've seen not a cent paid in that class action. So at the end of the day, there hasn't been a lot of support for industry even over the, even over the years that have gone past. Yeah, it's been, and and I've spoken to Mark Harvey Sutton about this before, that there's a constant threat from government of not supporting. Now, with everything going on, where does this bode? We we understand that there is always constant threat from outside influences in the live export industry. It gets misrepresented by media, different areas of the media. Uh, There's a lot of mistruths that get dispelled out there and the mob, the minority, seem to have the loudest voice, unfortunately. Um, where where do you see the live export industry out of Queensland? Because it is so important. I was speaking to an agent in Emerald who said two, three years ago he sold 50,000 live export cattle. Last year he sold 10,000, and that's due to obviously market, season, a lot of other factors that come into it. But there's no no two ways with high, high, high uh, cattle prices um, that – Obviously, it struggles the live export. We very much need it. Where do you see it projecting over the next couple of years? Yeah, very true. So, and I think in 2020, we did about 420,000 cattle out of Queensland. This year, we've done 25. So, and that's up till uh, the end of July. So, look, a huge, huge impact going forward. Um, look, Indonesia and Vietnam, who are our two, two major markets, will continue to want cattle. Uh, they've got emerging economies, they've got growing populations, they've got more desire for protein, but they also have a lot of competition and a lot of other people knocking on their doors. And, and, and with foot and mouth now in Indonesia, they now have a lot more choices so that they can actually bring a lot more meat in from India, they can bring cattle direct from, from uh, Argentina or Brazil. So we do have a lot more threats. As a, as a Industry, the top end, and Northern Australia really needs to nurture the relationship with Indonesia. And unfortunately, the relationship with Indonesia in the last 10 years has not been good. And, and it all stems from that 2011 shutdown. Sure. Uh, producers and uh, associations really need to get back on, on track and really nurture that relationship both with government and the business sector in Indonesia in regard to what they really want, build the relationship, treat them as a Treat them as a, a partner rather than treat them as a customer or as a market because that's what they're really crying out for at the moment. Are there other markets? Obviously, you guys would be looking at this and there are other markets available, but it takes time to build relationships. I know in the past, and look, the war with Russia and Ukraine can't be helping the situation as well either, but are there markets that are opening up for live trade and potential potential new markets that, you might be able to take some of the slack that is not happening going to 
you know, Indonesia, 55% under – their 55% numbers under five-year average. So that's a lot of cattle that aren't going to Indonesia now. Is there other markets available? Uh, ben, the volumes we're talking, no. no. Yeah. It's, it's a, just a no. There's Vietnam, there's Indonesia, and there's all those smaller markets are scattered around the place, Brunei, Malaysia, Philippines, Thailand. But between them all – they take fifty or sixty thousand cattle a year. Yeah, it's not. So we really need those big players like Indonesia. And 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 this is a terrible thing to say. If and I hope it never does happen. If in, if Australia got foot and mouth disease, those markets would um, would open up, and we would see huge numbers of cattle go to Vietnam and Indonesia because we would see a price reduction. Yep. Uh, and we would see cattle flood into those markets. They would would take our cattle. Hand over fist, they have the capacity to take huge numbers of cattle. Um, and in saying that, uh, and I, I hope it never happens, but in saying that, we really need to prepare ourselves in getting protocols, uh, protocol arrangements with Indonesia and Vietnam in place so that they are able to take cattle from Australia that may have been affected or may have been exposed to foot and mouth disease. Yeah, well said. Really well said. Appreciate but your I, time. But I, again, I do no, not. No, you do I, not want I that. No, I know what you're saying. I, we, we, look, you've got to have a plan B. I, I know exactly yep. what you're saying, and you've got to have some stuff. You don't want to, if the threat is real, and we believe what we are hearing, that, that, that there is opportunities and that there is a huge chance at some point uh, we will have this there. If we don't have protocols in place and we don't have agreements done, well, then we're behind the eight ball as it is. You have to have these kind of things. It's an insurance, um, and I, I get completely what you're saying. Greg Pankhurst, appreciate your time from Queensland Livestock Export Association. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Ben. Much on appreciate you. it. Rural Stay Queensland right. today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Cyril Close joins us this morning, just on 6,000 head at Roma store sale yesterday. Good morning, mate. How are you? Yeah, well, Dobbo, how are you today? All right, we're in August, August wins, market sort of not uncertain, but there's lots going on. How was the job yesterday? Yeah, Steve, nice yarding of cattle again, mate, for 6,000, and um, a few travel cattle, quite a few cattle in over the weekend from away, uh, but it, but also a good representation of local, still get into the back end of the local wieners and the younger cattle, and uh, you know, see a section of the sale was probably a little bit either side of last week, Heifer job was certainly a little bit softer, and um, and the meat job, cow job was uh, probably firm on on last week with about a thousand cows in amongst it. So they're chasing a few a few prime cattle, but the steer job's always been strong of recent time. What 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 are we talking from the feeder perspective? Is there a lot of demand for that feeder steer? Oh no, it's waning, mate. As as we know, from one week to the next, but it's uh, still four sixty on the top end of your mid. Mid-range 400 kilo steers and, you know, anywhere from 440 to 450 is pretty easy to get a hold of. Um, and then the liner end are, are, are up to closer to $5 on the, on the late 300s and early 400s. When you talk about those little wiener steers, those little plums, wh- where are we seeing the best of them at the moment, mate, and what are they making? Yeah, probably 530 to 540 for the lighter end, uh, but there were light uh, – uh, sorry. So in your early 300s, 530 or 540. Uh, lighter than that, under 300 kilos, got out over $6 yesterday still. Uh, there was a couple of good runs early in the sale there that were sort of 180 through to 240, 50 kilos, and they made out, made out to $6.15, I think it was. And uh, so, yeah, good and, but good lines of cattle, not just in ones and twos, uh, in, in good lines of cattle uh, are making a bit more. Yeah, and look, that's still very, very, very strong. That, that's the big thing, it, it, very strong. So 
there's obviously, you know, some 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 still some demand. Where are the cattle going at the moment? Uh, yeah, going east and south of us into the, you know, into the traditional uh, grower and, and, and fattening areas. Um, so where there's, you know, it may be frosted buffalo, but there's also good feed underneath it. Uh, with a bit of herbage coming through in parts, crops that are uh, dry enough country to get on. So, yeah, into the, you know, south and east of town potentially and uh, and then obviously into your feedlots, um, you know, in onto the downs for the cattle that are in the right weight range for there. Yeah, look, still still lots of optimism. Uh, mate, appreciate it. It's heck a week. People go away this week. And so obviously uh, lots happening at the back end of the week. Really appreciate your time making yourself available this morning on Rural Queensland today. Too easy, mate. Talk Thank you. you. Cyril Close, Rural Queensland today. We'll take a break. Come back with more. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Uh, dairy farmer and destination scenic rim board member Kay Tomerup joins us this morning. She's been on our show before. Agro tourism operators throughout southeast Queensland in the scenic rim are asking tourists to sign waivers and some to avoid properties altogether. This is due to the increased vigilance and threat around FMD. Now, please, everybody listening to us across Queensland, this is not an overreaction. We know foot and mouth disease affects pigs, cattle, goats and sheep and there are a lot of people who tour in the metropolitan areas over in Indonesia and then to the scenic rim which is just within the hour out of Brisbane, the chances of an outbreak there are far higher there than if you live in Charters Towers or Mount Isa at this moment. Obviously nothing has been detected. Kay, good morning. How are you? Um, Well, thank you. I, I think this is a very, very smart move. I don't know how it was received from a lot of the tourism. I mean, you've just had um, the farm box trail over the last week. There's constantly, you know, the winter festival. Um, there's been so many things going on in the scenic rim in the last six to eight weeks, and the mm. threat is very real in Indonesia and Bali. So I suspect that this was a collective decision made by a lot of people in the scenic rim, but one that had to be made. Yeah, look, I think we had to really look at what our responsibility is in terms of the agricultural industry as a whole. Um, obviously, we're very different to just your stock standard um, farming operation where you can pretty much just shut the gate and say, nobody's coming in unless I know exactly where they've been. Um, so we really had to, particularly for Farmgate Trail, um, liaise quite, quite closely with um, DAF and try and get some guidelines in place. I still think that um, that needs work. I, th- I still think that there's not enough information coming out to agritourism businesses to say this is how you can do this safely because you know a huge part of our business relies on people coming and buying our products and, and seeing our animals. So we need to know that we're upholding our responsibility um, and, we, and we need to have a bit more support, I think, to be able to do that. They are working through some guidelines and I have been liaising with them again this week um, but I think that that's really important that we get out to people who may not necessarily think that they're going to be affected by this you know we've only got a couple of cows or something and people just stay on the on the property is not that big a deal but it's the responsibility of everybody oh it, it certainly does and and the risk is far higher for yourself than who has a lot of outside, and you rely on this, you're right, because of your tourism, it, it's far higher. Yeah. So how was this received when, and I'm going to get to the government and what they need to do more, but how was this received when you have been asking people to sign waivers? Has there been an awareness or has there been some pushback? Um, look, on our farm, we we actually couldn't 
do Farmgate Trail at the last moment. Our whole household got COVID. Right. Um, so we had to pull out. But for people that have been coming on the farm since we've really started looking into this more and being more taking more precautions, I don't think that they are aware how big this is, yeah. how how massive it could be because it you've got to realise that um, it, this doesn't just affect the farming industry and I think that's where people are a little bit disconnected, that they're not understanding that this is this is going to affect everybody. If, if this happens, it affects everybody. So um, when we're saying to people coming on the farm, you need to sign this, um, you need to make sure that you're telling us the truth, you, you need to not come here. If And that, that's our blanket thing. If you've been overseas traveling within the last seven days, I'm sorry, we don't want you here. Um, simple as that. And And I think the message needs to get out there more that this is really, really important. Yeah, it, it certainly is. What What would you like to see the government do more of? That's that. That's the oh, one. I think I don't know whether the government can do this or whether it's media really having to jump on board and make people understand that it's everybody's responsibility. I think um, in terms of government, we definitely need a very clear set of guidelines to say if you do these things on your property, you are doing everything possible to reduce the risk. Um, obviously, there's nothing that's 100%, but I think as an agritourism business, we need to have confidence that we can continue to operate if we stick to those guidelines. Um, you know, recently we saw Mulaney Dairies just close all tours altogether and I've got to be honest, that frightened the hell out of me because I thought, wow, should we actually be doing this as well? Um, We don't have as many people come through our farm as they do, not nearly as many. But um, that's a a huge step for them and it would mean really, it would mean so much to our business if we had to do that. So that's going to be something that that just has a massive effect. Um, I'd like to make sure that I'm doing everything I can and that's why I'm still trying to work closely with staff to get those guidelines in place. And I really think that not only does the media need to be getting it out to the general public, but we need to get it across to those smaller agritourism operators who, as I said, don't necessarily think this affects them, um, that they need to be vigilant as well. The big thing that I, the, the big thing that I think that, that DAF have got to give you is updated risk. Now you don't want to be knowing, like you don't want to hear that the risk is is real. You, you need to know when the risk is dead set genuine, um, and yeah. if it increases, and that's not what well, you're not getting that at the moment. No, and I, I think also there's been a lot of politics in this, and I think that it's time to put that aside. We need to know that the information that we're getting is not based on political point scoring. It's based on facts. We're being told the right information. Not, not so that you can look better in the media, but so that you're protecting your country. Let's just strip it right back. Give us the facts. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. Um, I don't know when when we get the facts and when that's going to when we're actually going to get the full facts of what is actually going on. We're we're talking. We spoke earlier with uh, Greg Pankhurst. We know that the Indonesian live export market is in the toilet at the moment. We're seeing a lot of factors. And look, the the threat is very real. We just don't know the full facts. So, what to for the tourism industry in the scenic rim? It's it's interesting because people listening to us today, it, it has become a juggernaut. There's no two ways about it. It, it is really oh, driven, really driven 
so much uh, understanding. It's been a phenomenal thing for the whole agricultural industry because people in the metropolitan areas actually get to see farms firsthand and only an hour out of Brisbane. What yeah. what can you envisage is going to happen moving forward? Look, I really hope that we can put measures in place to still allow people to come to our farm and, and to you know be using foot baths and having people tell the truth um, whether they've been overseas and just taking a bit of responsibility for themselves. But okay, I've been overseas. I won't go to a farm right now. I won't wear the shoes that I wore over there. Um, and and I hope that our industry in here, our, our agritourism industry, can still continue to share those experiences with people. Because in all in all honesty, it's those kinds of experiences that will also make people understand better what their responsibility is in terms of this as well. So you know, coming to our farm and and having us explain what this would mean is. A lot more has a lot more impact, I suppose, than reading about it in the media somewhere. Yeah, well said. Kay Tomer, I appreciate your time this morning. Thanks, Ben. Good on you. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin. It is Wednesday morning, the 3rd of August. Well, that's it from us here this morning at Rural Queensland today. Have a great day. And from all the team here at Rural Queensland today, it's bye for now. Ray Hadley joins you next. Remember, when the weed is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. We'll see you tomorrow.